They're coming to Luxembourg on uh, November 7th. Um, they come from my home country of Slovenia, where they're considered something of an institution uh, with all the uh, benefits and drawbacks uh, that that term implies. Leibach are in Luxembourg in Den Atelier uh, on November 7th. And uh, it's my great pleasure to welcome on the other side of the interwebs connection, uh, Ivan Dovak of Leibach. A very warm welcome to Ara City Radio. Thank you. Thank you. Leibach is coming to Luxembourg, what, for the first time, I believe? Yes, yes. This is, uh, it's uh, unfortunately, yes, uh, we've never performed in uh, Luxembourg before. Uh, I don't quite know why, but, uh, you know, that's uh, that's how it was. And now finally we can, finally, after 40 years of existence, we can finally do a show also in Luxembourg. Leibach is, as I said, it's, it's an institution in Slovenia. When the two Slovenians are, are talking about Leibach, it's hard to escape all the connotations that the name Leibach invokes. Uh, but uh, just to recap shortly, uh, f- the group, the act was was formed in uh, the beginning of the 1980s in the part of Slovenia, mining part of Slovenia, uh, called Zasawi. It's, it's hard, uh, heavy on, on, on... Industry, labor, culture, exactly, yes. We were formed in uh, Trbolia uh, officially in 1980s, uh, which means, you know, in, a, in still very active uh, communist times. And we, back in 1980, of course, we presented ourselves as a as a kind of uh, alternative to to the um, existing culture, and um, and also, uh, well, this this was all happening within the so-called youth culture, yes, music culture, which was then extremely dynamic uh, because uh, all over Slovenia, um, basically, punk was incredibly uh, present, uh, a very specific form of. Uh, of uh, socially active and politically active and aware Slovenian version of punk. Uh, and Leibach did not really belong to uh, punk itself, but we were, uh, when we started, punk was the, was the, the overwhelming uh, uh, musical scene. And there were many connections also between us and uh, you know, other punk groups and so on. To- Try to put a label on your genre. It's, I guess, you'd call it industrial rock, for the lack for the lack of a better word. Well, I would say we started uh, with industrial uh, music, with industrial sound, simply because, first of all, as I said, those were quite uh, radical times in music terms, and also because we were coming from from this industrial, uh, heavily industrial area from the city of Trbolje, uh, the area which you said Zasawia, but we actually called it Red District area. Mm. Uh, Red District simply because it was politically uh, always extremely active and very left-wingish. Uh, the, com- the you know Slovenian Communist Party was established in, uh, in, in that area. So it had all that uh, glorifying during communism, all that glorifying uh, uh, elements. Uh, and also, as I said, it was very, very industrial. So we basically said, okay, let's uh, create music that will also sound industrial, that will, uh, so to say, 
be inspired by the um, you know the, the the whole working ethics and uh, machinery etc etc that uh, surrounded us and also we wanted to be more radical than punk groups who were claiming that uh, they were you know they don't need to know more than three chords and uh, we said okay you know we don't need to more even one chord because we are going to let machines to do work instead of us um, and logic. yeah, uh, and uh, j- just at that point, uh, you've uh, just released, uh, well, just recently released an album, Sketches from the Red Districts, which basically questions, reinterprets, deals with your your very origins, if I'm not mistaken. True. I mean, industrial music, as I said, we don't, you know, it's hard hardly to to actually <clears throat> to say that uh, everything what we do nowadays is a. Uh, industrial music but uh, you know it's certainly created indust- industrially so to say mm-hmm. uh, this is a broader term but um, we decided to recreate actually to do this year this uh, album sketches of the red districts uh, simply because these are the songs that we supposed to do back in 1980 but we never did them we never did them we uh, didn't succeed to do to do them then at that time so we said okay let's uh, let's try to do these songs now um we were very curious how they are going to sound and that's what we did we did the sketches of the red districts uh, simply because they're also talking somehow about the establishment of Leibach. they're, they're also talking about some other event which happened back in uh, in uh, history in the past uh, in in red districts in in the city of Trbolje, which was a political um, event, uh, a very, very uh, interesting, and I don't think it makes much sense to go into it because uh, your uh, listeners are probably not going to understand the complexity of it. But it was um, uh, a political event that somehow corresponded to also to the beginning of... Uh, of um, you know, partly to the uh, paradoxical uh, content of uh, early Leibach. Well, just to give a, a brief context, you're talking to uh, an appearance of a group of um, royalist anti-fascists of Oriuna, <laughs> I believe it was uh, uh, the organization. Who... Well, the, the, yeah, the, the, their name was actually the organization of Yugoslav nationalists. Yes. They behaved uh, stylistically. This was in the twenties. They behaved stylistically. They were fighting against, you know, communists. They were fighting against uh, everybody who was uh, who uh, who was actually. Well, they they were very royalists. They actually mm-hmm. supported uh, the 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 first kingdom of Yugoslavia, the existence of the first kingdom of Yugoslavia. They behaved like fascists, but in reality, they were fighting against. Um, fascism. So it's a it's a kind of a very very interesting uh, political movement uh, that uh, had uh, a really negative uh, negative even nowadays negative uh, um, connotations in historical terms. And uh, we thought that uh, well, in Terboli, this was like the biggest event, the clash between Oriuna this organization, and also the workers, miners, communists on the other side. 
and this has become the uh, national kind of the national day in in the city of Trbolje. And we decided to create Laibach on the very same day, on the 1st of June, 1980. And, and this is, I mean, if there is a theme to the 40 plus years of Laibach, it seems to be, at least from, from where I stand, that you challenge the established consensus. After the Second World War, Oryuna was decreed to be an unwanted element in the history of the country. Among other things, you challenged that during this latter part of socialism. Then, if I'm not mistaken, you challenged the cons- uh, at least some of the concepts of independent Slovenia. You also challenged the, some of the concepts of the uh, uh, European Union or NATO, the institutions which Slovenia is now part of. So, I mean, is there a theme? And with respect to Leibach, should we even be looking for one? <laughs> well, yes, we are challenging everybody <laughs> and everything, <laughs> including ourselves. Uh, it's uh, this is in our nature, you know. We just don't uh, take uh, things per se as such, and we do put uh, lots of questions. And uh, and uh, you know, we, it may sound sound uh, con- controversial. Leibach may sound controversial, and we absolutely understand that uh, sometimes, uh, you know, that. Uh, we do function in uh, in controversial terms, but you know that's what we say. I mean, Leibach is uh, big enough for all the controversies, and uh, we never wanted to actually to to be uh, presented only as a kind of you know rock and pop group, which which we are, but we are also not only. You know, we don't uh, we don't take the definitions uh, that what we should do is only entertainment. Um, but yes, of course, people could be also entertained through what we do. I mean, the one adjective that that uh, runs through my mind, listening to your music and seeing your works, is radically ambiguous. You are you're neither here nor there, nor left nor right, both at the same time. Like the Scarlet Pimpernel, perhaps. If you uh, remember that character. <laughs> yeah. Um, was this intentional or is this something that came about from necessity? Well, it's uh, both. You know, it's uh, our necessity to to constantly be um, on the opposite side, so to say. It's our necessity to constantly question our position and not only our position, but generally the uh, everything that does exist around us, but uh, it's also because we never, never really wanted to become part of the definition, the final definition. Like for instance, within the genre, because that's an economical uh, attribute. You know, it's not; uh, it has nothing to do with the quality, with the uh, and the content itself. Uh, you know, people simply they simply agree to be shown as a, I don't know as a you know, heavy metal or, you know, arm, arm, you know, arm, um, rhythm and blues or whatever genre, they, 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 they simply are satisfied, most of the bands, that they belong to one certain genre. And, um, and uh, because it's that's much easier and much more consumable, so to say, they don't disappoint their own uh, fans, you know, fans, they know where to look for them. 
But, uh, you know, we are just not satisfied with uh, that. I mean, uh, as I said, Labak is big enough for a, for controversies. We are big enough for different uh, content. And uh, that's why we are constantly using different genres also, because the genre itself is a content. Mm. Um, and it's also a context, and like the language. You know, you can't really use the same language for for everything, you know. it's Language is like a poetry, and when you decide to use a certain kind of language, it has its certain content already. Yeah, it, it predetermines what you're going to say, the, the, the choice of language itself, let alone the, con the, the content, the lyrics, exactly. the lyrics itself, which I, I guess comes across as very, very uh, um, obvious on the Love is Still Alive album, which is... Uh, Basically, what came about as a, as a product or byproduct of the your, your work or your soundtrack for the sequel to the Iron Sky. Yes, uh, and, and you you've got the same theme going over and over over eight tracks, um, but in radically different expressions, contexts. As we said, you use different languages on every every single track. A language in terms of musical expression. True. It's uh, it's also kind of our uh, somehow um, uh, what's what's the right word? Uh, it's a dedication um, in a way to to the space to different space genres uh, which we were you know faced with uh, through the through the through the history uh, space genres uh, mostly music that was. Uh, that was dealing with uh, yeah space space stories and so on. Uh, if you go back in the in the past, of course, there was uh, quite a lot of that kind of music, um, and we try to to define. To, we try to actually to use that uh, uh, different genres uh, through this traveling through the through the uh, solar system. Um, which is a part of the story. It's a part of the story because at the end of the second movie, Iron Sky, The Coming Race, you only have this, uh, I don't know how many, few few hundred maybe uh, species of the human race that are trying to find a new planet because Earth is destroyed, Moon is destroyed, and so on. So they're looking for a new planet. They hope to reach Mars, the red planet, where probably... The next uh, next Iron Sky film is going to happen. Um, so this is a this is a yeah it's the after story after what what is happening what happened with uh, with these people who are uh, looking for a new planet because everything is destroyed Earth is destroyed Moon is destroyed. Uh, so that's what we did. It's a it's a actually extended uh, EP. Extended mm. EP. But the whole story is. It's not really only, you know, this is, this is still connected with some other work that we're going to show in the future. So it's, it's connected. First of all, we are preparing a video game, which is a part of this story. It's, it's very nice, very funny. It's, it's uh, really entertaining and it's basically finished. And we are just about to launch it. That will, uh, of course, also correspond to to this Love is Still Alive uh, extended EP. And secondly, the theme of, of this uh, EP is uh, something that we are basically developing further 
with our next uh, projects. So it's uh, everything is a little bit you know interconnected, so to say. It, it, it's a sequel and a prequel at the same time. Exactly, exactly. Is it easier being Leibach when you're not performing in Slovenia or in the area of former Yugoslavia where you know the name Leibach has a certain connotations? Is it easier to perform outside of that area or inside? Where do you find yourselves more at ease? I mean, you know, this is the, the old uh, problem, the old question that uh, Jesus had to face it long, long time ago, yeah, that, uh, you know, you can't be a prophet in your own land. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we were sacrificed many times uh, in, uh, in our homeland and in the area. Uh, but, you know, that's, uh, that's, what, uh, that's what you have to do. You have to be, you know, if you don't want to follow the, the rules, then, uh, then, of course, you are, you are the prophet that uh, you have to be crucified every here and there, you know. And this is okay. simply something we we took it as a part of our job. And I mean, for example, you've uh, went on the record, uh, and other bands have went uh, have gone on the record saying that uh, it was your work that influenced them. Uh, off the top of my head, was it was it Rammstein and Nine Inch Nails and other bands that have quoted your influences was was that was that again like like a just a byproduct of your work or were you did you know that at some point you are going to make it out there well you know it it would sound uh, um presumptuous but we back in the uh, uh, 1980s we we created a plan at the very beginning and also, we wrote down the manifest in between 1980 and 1982. And for instance, we still have those, you know, documents somewhere. And uh, it, one of the things in these plans was that we have to go to, you know, to UK and sign with uh, one of the uh, independent record label. The first one on the list was Mute. And there was also Cherry Red. And this was simply, you know, we said, this is what we are going to do. And basically, that's what we did. We did that uh, a bit later, but we did it, you know. Although the first time when we came to London, everybody was kind of uh, looking really strange at us, you know, what, the, where are these guys from? What, what does this represent? Because we came in London in Yugoslav ar army uniforms, you know, which was completely uh, uh, bizarre at that time. And then we, we went around with hunting uniforms and so on later on. But eventually we signed a contract also with Cherry Red, who were, who were there on our list. This, uh, uh, and later on with Mute uh, Records, which was uh, important, uh, and it still is, uh, independent label. And that's what we wanted to do. We had a plan. And when we released this, uh, uh, for instance, Opus Dei album, it had... Well, first of all, Nova Acropola, Cherry Red, and then later on Opus Dei, it really had uh, incredible uh, effect. You know, people like groups like Cure, um, U2 even, uh, they all wanted to work with us. They wanted us. They wanted us to open their tours. Uh, they wanted us to open their stadium tours, like U2, for instance, in the time of uh, Achtung Baby. 
they asked us uh, to open their uh, stadium tours in Europe. And we said no. We said no because we didn't want to, to be the opener for, the, for any band. Like we don't like the, the you know, support bands uh, uh, in, in, uh, on our shows. We don't want to support any, any of that kind of group, not only that kind of group. Rammstein also, they asked us, we, didn't, we said no. Um, and, uh, you know, that's what we did. And instead of us, uh, I should say, the Neubauten went to, to open one of their shows in, uh, in uh, I think, in Amsterdam, stadium show of U2. And uh, I, I later on spoke to Blixa and he, he said that that was the biggest mistake that Einstein and Neubauten did. <laughs> because they, they got all the shit from the audience, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I mean, you have to aim high, I guess. Obviously, Leiber has been around 40 plus years. Uh, group members um, have, they've went, uh, came and went and everybody's grown older. But has Leiber as a phenomenon grown older has it evolved matured became less radical well we you know we still didn't really grow up i mean we still <laughs> how to say we are still uh it sounds you know a bit again strange but we feel young we feel very young and uh, the, the old members those who were let's say at the, at the beginning much more involved and they are not maybe on stage anymore they still uh, work with us they still collaborate on different levels and uh, of course the the the, the groups the, you know the group was evolving evolving through the time and uh, basically these people who are now with us in the in the band they work with us already for more some of them more than 10 years and uh, you know we, we are just a little bit more flexible because slovenia is a small scene we we collaborate with many people even if they are not on stage and uh, it doesn't really matter because Liva was never, you know, we always uh, we always understood ourselves as a kind of machine, as a as a factory, as a kind of uh, anonymous uh, collective that is uh, where it is not really so important, you know, that uh, you play the same chord. I don't know, like in, you know, Rolling Stones, although they they probably don't perform anymore by themselves on their records, yes. <laughs> except uh, Mick Jagger, you know, but they still represent themselves. Oh, yeah, you know, it's very important that, uh, that of course, uh, Keith Richards is there, absolutely. But you know what I want to say? It's, uh, you know, Lava is, uh, in that terms, we are still very young because we are also letting younger people to influence us. And mm. uh, the, the, we, though, those, some of us who are, let's say, uh, in the band from the beginning, we are basically we let ourselves being taught by the younger guys, who are simply giving us a you know new understanding of what's what's happening. And for instance, uh, uh, districts of the red uh, um, uh, sketches of the red districts were were actually created by our younger younger uh, members, you know. And uh, you know, lots of people said that this is like one, maybe the best album of uh, Liva. I assume that uh, the tracks from that album will at some point become part of of your tour. But uh, here in Luxembourg, it's mostly uh, Love is Still Alive tour. So just you know, maybe what what to expect or what not to expect. Right. Love is Still Alive 
it's only one part of the of the show. It's uh, it's actually the first part, which is uh, more ambient. Uh, um, you know, it's uh, it's the story that we wanted to to kind of s- explain separately and also perform separately, and then we go to the second part, which is much more, let's say. Uh, traditional Leibach, all in old terms, Leibach, you know, a bit more experimental, hard, and so on. And uh, we also perform part of the uh, sketches of the Red District in that part. And from, you know, we, we, we do so- certain songs from uh, some other albums. And I think it, uh, it really, really works. And then we have the third part, if audience actually wants, wants us to do the third part, you know, which is always a uh, a gamble, uh, which is uh, again uh, quite different. For instance, we performed the, the you know our version of the Leonard Cohen song "The Future," and uh, recently we also uh, released the the single uh, track uh, "The Engine of Survival," which is also relating somehow to the to the track "The Future." So that's that's what they're going to get in the in the third part if they of course want want us to perform the third part but that's up to the audience if they will survive the first two parts. <laughs> well, um, we'll see we'll see how that goes. Um, just before I let you go, uh, there's one thing I wanted to ask: Has the world changed at all over the last forty plus years? I mean, there's this old French phrase, ne plus que ça change, c'est plus la même chose. But more things change, the more they stay the same. Sometimes it feels that we're, you know, back in the 80s again. Well, you know, it's, uh, yeah, this is a, it's a relevant question. Uh, I would say, especially if you, if you go back in the past and, uh, you know, try to understand how could ever happen that there was, for instance, even the First World War and Second World War going on. And how could ever happen that there were all these wars happening in Europe? Europe is basically, you know, it's there. There was more wars than peace. In uh, if you if you took the the total periods uh, periods of time and divided between war and peace, there was much more wars in uh, in Europe going on than peace. Not only in Europe, probably, but Europe was the center center of this uh, continuation of uh, war and peace moments. Um, of course, what's uh, what's more, what is radically different is that now um, humanity does have the weapons of mass destructions, uh, really heavy weapons of mass destructions, and it means that it can easily, of course, erase the the Earth, as you can see in the in the film Iron Sky: The Coming Race, uh, actually already in the first part of the film. Um, the other thing that that happened and it radically changed the. Uh, I think uh, life on Earth is, of course, the informational revolution. We had before first industrial revolution, second industrial revolution, the invention of, uh, you know, radio and TV, electronic revolution, I don't know, uh, all kinds of revolutions. But now we came to the informational revolution. And I don't know if this is the right expression, because the what is a huge novelty that is definitely going to change uh everything on earth and it's changing already it's of course uh, a digital uh, revolution and internet and uh, artificial intelligence and all that thing you know uh, this is 
definitely going to radically change the um, situation on uh, yes. Earth in cultural terms, social terms, and uh, political terms, ideological terms. And yet, love is the the one force, the, the fifth force, the one that conquers all in good and bad. Correct. Well, not to be misunderstood, you know, the, we we've never defined the love yet. Uh, it's in the process of the definition. I think, uh, you know, to say it uh, very plain and simple, I would say love is the the most creative and most destructive force in the universe. And uh, while uh, being, uh, let's say, uh, obsessed by love, while love is uh, is the one who is able, which is able to to procreate the human race, it can also destroy it easily. Uh, at the same time, so to say, you know, and. Uh, so that's a, that's a bigger subject that we are dealing with it, uh, and it's not that easy kind of you know. Uh, but you know, on the other hand, as I said, many things are changing in uh, in the earth and uh, and uh, in our lives. But if you go up to the universe and look back at the at the earth, it still looks pretty much the same. Love is still alive tour, ladies and gentlemen. Leibach and then Atelier in Luxembourg, uh, Tuesday, 7 November. Be there or be square.